concept of space. I mean, I believe in space. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, Episode 8. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, knowledge is power. Unless you take the free action where power is knowledge, or if you're playing with the Hashalis faction, in which case credits are knowledge, it's the game of many currencies, Gaia Project. Mamie, I wanted to start the show by saying happy Mother's Day and happy birthday. Thank you. It's a big week for me. <laughs> it is a big week. We celebrated Mother's Day this past weekend, and your birthday is coming up in two days. In two days. Yeah. It's always that they fall back to back, which is kind of nice because I get a big stretch of pampering, but I kind of wouldn't mind spreading them out. This has been, as always, we're, we're keeping busy, but this has really been kind of a big week in our life. As um, I may have mentioned before on the show, my side hustle is working in education policy, and it was a really big week for that here in North Carolina. Lots of really exciting things going on. I spent my day yesterday marching and rallying in Raleigh, our capital for education, and then came home and played some Gaia Project. Yeah, it was a, a big, busy day indeed yesterday. Uh, but I'm really excited to talk more about Gaia Project on today's episode. But first, Mamie, it looks like I have some wine in front of me. You do. So this is a bottle of wine that we got this past weekend. Uh, we were able to snag a much-needed date night. And part um, of that was to celebrate Mother's true. Day slash your birthday. That's true. And we got to check out a new wine shop slash wine bar that just opened here in Durham. And uh, it was really fabulous. And we came home with this bottle. It's uh, Viña Bujanda. It's a Rioja from Spain. And I, I recently learned that to be a Rioja, the grapes from the wine have to come from the Rioja region, which is in northern Spain. But the grapes in this particular Rioja are 100% Tempranillo. Oh, so Rioja, that's sort of like when you have a French wine, it's a Bordeaux. Bordeaux a is champagne. just a region, not a grape exactly. variety. I think that's one thing I like about American wines is they name them after what the grape is. For the most part. So it's pretty easy to know what you're drinking, but I didn't realize that. Rioja is not a grape type. It's a... It's a region, yeah. So this I is think a Tempranillo. It's, a, it's actually a Tempranillo. It's 100% Tempranillo. What do you think? Uh, I like this one a lot. I mean, yeah, we sampled a few different ones uh, over the weekend, and this is one we, we really liked. Ended up bringing a bottle home, and... It's just as good at home it as is, it was at the wine shop. I like it. It's really, really smooth and full. Really good. Easy drinking. It has that great balance that I look for in wine and in a game where it's easy to drink but complex. Yeah, no, I agree. This is a winner for sure. So, you know, over the last month, we'd mentioned that with lots of travel um, and other commitments, we haven't been able to game nearly as much as we had earlier in 2018, but we're slowly getting back into our gaming groove. Um, we certainly played Gaia Project a few times in preparation for, for this show. Um, but also played Blood Rage with our game group. Yeah, I missed that game night, but Blood Rage is fun. Yeah, no, it is fun. And many of the, the people that we played with, it was their first time playing it. And, and you know, Mamie, I think I've mentioned before, uh, I tend to be drawn to games with wooden cubes. Not Blood Rage. <laughs> Blood Plastic Rage. figures. Yeah, and I was first introduced to it uh, by our friend Megan. And uh, she she brought it out. And I saw all these giant plastic monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, there is no way I'm going to enjoy this game. But then we played it, and it was a really fun game. There was really a lot more strategy th than I thought there would be. And I ended up picking up a copy and, and, yeah, played it for the first time with our game group last week and had a really great time. It was super fun. 
It is a fun game. We'll have to probably talk about that on the show in a few weeks. And speaking of Megan, we had a game night and she brought over Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which was a blast. I really enjoyed that game. Yeah, that's one I've heard a lot of people mention and just haven't gotten a chance to play it. But a really unique game. I enjoyed putting together my my little castle with the different shapes of rooms and uh, lots of fun decisions. Figuring out how to get into the basement and <laughs> that's true. <laughs> how and, many basement rooms is appropriate for a castle? Yeah, and then throwing in. I love that mechanic where you are valuing things. I guess it's not an auction mechanic, but where you're pricing things uh, to try to set market values. Just really, really a lot of fun mechanisms kind of mashed together and I thought it worked pretty well. I would definitely play it again. Yeah, me too. And then Mother's Day, a part of my Mother's Day, the family made me breakfast, which was wonderful. But after breakfast, my lovely husband uh, cleaned up all the dishes and I got to go sit down and relax and play a few games with the kids, which was just a wonderful way to spend the day. We played King Domino, which is always a favorite. And we also played My First Carcassonne, which was one of the first games we brought for the kids. I think they may be aging out of it. Yeah, do you find do they still enjoy playing it? They do, but it, they kind of just go through the motions. No, I could see that the decision making is not that complex for my first Carcassonne. It was really a great game. I would say when they were around the ages of four, four maybe four five. to five. Yeah. Um, so it's absolutely a game that I would recommend for for parents who have you know kids who are aging up to around three four years old is a good way to introduce board games to kids because it has the big chunky meeples and the giant tiles and it really doesn't matter which way you orient them they they all go together i'm actually not even sure if that one's in print i think i bought it used off of a used board game forum online but but anyway if you can get your hands on it it's a great game for for the younger kids but you know on one hand i was going to say our kids are moving towards more complicated games but what game have they enjoyed playing the most over the last week? War. You taught them how to play war. <laughs> yeah, I thought that I just had a deck of cards that I was just playing around with. And one night you were out at a meeting or something and I said, oh, let's play war. And they <laughs> love it. They can't get enough of just playing war with a deck of cards. And and for those of you that may not know what war is, it's literally flipping over two cards simultaneously. And if your card is higher, you win. <laughs> Yeah, it's about as simple as a game can get, but they are having fun playing it yeah. and sometimes making me play it. Yeah, they sure are. I wanted to also say thanks to David who joined our guild this week. And and this was really cool and I'm mentioning it because it turns out David lives right here in Durham and we actually met David, Mamie, in real life. IRL? Yeah, yeah. So turns out David, uh, when he introduced himself, uh, we played games with him at our local con here in Durham back in January. In fact, we played Azul fabled fruits with oh, david david and his and wife, his wife. Yeah. that david yeah so david oh, awesome uh, yeah he nice to have you david yeah, in our I, guild yeah i guess someone uh, posted about the show in a, a local gaming uh, facebook page or group and and david listened and then i think quickly <laughs> realized he actually had met us before so so that was really fun uh, and he recommended a game he's been enjoying called number nine and that's nmbr Nine. And I've seen pictures of it. It has these cool little shapes of, uh, I don't know how to call them tiles, these cool little shapes that, actually, I don't know how you play at all, but it looks very compelling from the <laughs> from the photos. Well, it's and, a great description. We'll have to check it out and maybe we'll understand more. Yeah, we'll talk about it uh, on the show. So anyway, Mamie, that, that's all. Why don't we move right into our game of the week, Gaia Project.
Gaia Project is a reimagining of the extremely popular heavy Euro-style strategy game Terra Mystica. Players choose one of 14 unique alien factions, each with their own special abilities and special home planets. Throughout the game, these factions compete to colonize seven different planet types spread across the modular board that displays open space. Each faction begins confined to its home planet type, but throughout the game, must spend resources to terraform neighboring planets and build colonies, including on special planets habitable by all factions called Gaia planets. Factions begin the game in a fairly primitive state, but throughout play, they can advance on one of six research tracks and upgrade using special technology tiles that will bring in additional resources and abilities to each faction. Now, there's many ways to score points in Gaia Project, but one primary feature that contributes to the replayability of the game is that the main scoring objectives are randomly assigned and changed from game to game. In addition, the game board is comprised of 10 modular sections that can be laid out in a suggested standard orientation or using variable setup, so the game can be different every time you play. Gaia Project is certainly a complex game with lots of moving parts, so let's just jump right in and talk about the game. So, so this game is, is by the same designers of the game Terra Mystica, which is a widely popular sort of heavier Euro style game. And, and Terra Mystica is, is a game that I can't believe we haven't played. It seems like the type of game uh, we totally would play. But if it gives you any indication, Mamie, Terra Mystica came out in 2012. Ah, 2012. That was in our dark period of board gaming. In 2012, our daughter was two years old and we had a newborn son. So playing heavy Euro games was definitely not on our radar. Yeah, but Terra Mystica is absolutely the type of game that normally we'd be all over. You know, we love Puerto Rico and Kalos and Agricola. So had we been actively gaming at the time, I'm certain we would have picked up Terra Mystica. So I'm pretty pretty surprised we never played it. Uh, and actually, I even once we kind of got our gaming geared back up over the last couple of years, I even considered picking it up a couple of times. But then I heard that Gaia Project was coming out and Gaia Project is even subtitled a Terra Mystica game. So oh, same designers. And, and it's very clear what they were doing is, is coming up with a reimagining of Terra Mystica, just with a different theme and some some streamlining. So it's basically Terra Mystica in space. Uh, Terra Mystica in space, um, I guess. I haven't played Terra Mystica, but I have friends who have, and, and certainly the similarities are pretty apparent. But we'll talk a little bit at the end about some of the things that I know to be different. But for the most part, we're not going to focus on comparisons and, and contrasting features of Terra Mystica and Guy Project because we have not played Terra Mystica, so we couldn't really do that. I think the, the naming there is really interesting. Um, just this week, I was listening to an audiobook, which is what I do all the time, and it had a lot of sort of Greek mythology in it, and they kept talking about Gaia, and my initial thought is, huh, is that Gaia, like Gaia Project? And I looked up Gaia, because I Google everything, and learned that Gaia is the Greek goddess of Earth. She's like the Mother Earth goddess, which I know that the Roman Greek Mother Earth goddess is Terra. So they kind of played on the name there, changing it from Terra to Gaia which is really sort of the same goddess, just in two different traditions. Yeah, I don't think I appreciated that. I thought that was a cool, uh, sort of cool comparison between the two games and clearly what they were going for, but, but I didn't realize that until you pointed it out this week. So when I, when I heard Guy Project was coming out, I thought, well, why, why get the old game when the new one's coming out? Let's, uh, let's try that one. So I uh, picked up Gaia Project, even though we don't necessarily like space-themed games. I do not like space. 
but but figured it was worth a try. So so we got Gaia Project probably uh, probably about six weeks or so ago. So Mamie, why don't you talk a little bit about the components of Gaia Project? Yeah, so as Josh mentioned, it's a pretty complex game, and there are a lot of components that make up the game. I mean, the reality is they're all pretty solid in quality construction. There's all the different game boards. There's the main game board, which is made up of tiles of planets that you can put together in different orientations, depending on the number of players that you have. But then you also have your faction board, and there's a number of those, and they're reversible, so there's a lot of options there for what faction you play as. And then there's also a scoring board and scoring tiles that are interchangeable. So that scoring board is kind of always slightly changed. And then there's also the research board where you're constantly developing your technology. So there's quite a few different boards that make up this game. And then there's all the different tokens and components. I believe you had to find a Plano to keep all these together, right? Yeah, so... Maybe one reason I enjoy playing uh, Gaia Project so much is this game really, really was in need of a Plano box <laughs> to organize everything. <laughs> and I will say, I will go ahead, and this is a, a Cardboard and Wine exclusive. Um, I'll give you a, a pro tip that the Plano Stowaway 2-3601 utility box is absolutely perfect for storing all of those components. And they, f- they fit in there quite nicely, don't they, Mamie? They do. It's like it was made for Gaia Project. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that wasn't what the Play-Doh folks were thinking about, though. Well, and, and it really fits nicely, not just all the, the little plastic discs and tiles, but also um, a lot of those cardboard scoring tiles, too. Fit, fit Those tech tiles fit quite nicely. So I'll post a photo of that in the in the show notes for anyone who's interested. But yeah, certainly lots of, lots of components and lots of little plastic pieces. And I'll say one thing that seemed to pop up online in some discussions I read about was a lot of debate over the plastic pieces versus wooden pieces. You know, I like the molded plastic buildings. I think for what it is, right, the fact that you're developing this planets in space, the the molded plastic lets you get a level of kind of intricacy and in design that you can't always get from wood. And I like it. The, the different buildings that you build, the mills look like mills and the planetary institutes look like little observatories. And the Gaia formers are kind of a cool, unique shape. I mean, I think that would be hard to get that level of detail with a wooden token. So I think that's cool. And and then the different plastic resource markers, I like that they're all different. They're a little bit different shape for the different kinds of tokens. And, you know, you could just use wooden cubes for that, but I think it's a little bit more interesting and I like that level of detail. Yeah, I agree. I think that wooden components, one, you're right, there wouldn't be nearly as much detail as there are with these molded plastic components. But also I think just with a space theme, you know, you don't usually think wood when you think That's space, true. Um, but but this plastic, and I'll mention too, it's sort of this heavier rubberized plastic. So they're fairly fairly solid pieces, and 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 I think they're fine. I really going into it thought like uh, maybe I would probably wish they're wooden too, but really that's not not an issue in the least. Another thing I'll say, you mentioned those plastic pieces that help you keep track of different currencies. And I guess um, this is sort of going into gameplay a little bit, but but really, if I think about Gaia Project. It's a game about managing currencies. Lots and lots of currencies. Yeah, and and you know, sure you're you're trying to terraform these planets to build mines which you're going to upgrade to trading houses and then research labs or institutes. 
you know, you're trying to improve your faction's technologies by advancing on one of these tracks on the research board that you mentioned, Mamie. But all of this happens by managing your income and your usage of, uh, as best as I can count, five different currencies. There's ore, there are credits, which is basically money. There's knowledge, there's power, and then there are these uh, little green cubes called QIC. What does QIC stand for? I'm not sure I've ever known. I think it stands for quantum intelligence cubes, I believe. Don't quote me on that. That's from memory, but I think that's correct. They are kind of neat little pieces. They're these kind of translucent green cubes with a little... Yeah, I'm not sure how to describe what shape they are. It's almost like if it was a cube made up of a nine by nine smaller cubes with one of the corner cubes removed. So there's a little notch. Yeah, they're really an interesting shape. Yeah, but all of these are different currencies that you need to do different things in different combinations. And and to make it more complex, a lot of these different currencies have an exchange rate with other currencies. So you can often trade a certain number of of power tokens for uh, QIC or for ore, or maybe you can trade credits for ore. And so, so really managing all these currencies is a big part of the the strategy and the brain power that goes into it. And then really on top of that, victory points are kind of another currency because you can gain those directly or you can spend them to to manipulate the power, to cycle the, the power as, as one of the game mechanisms. Um, and then on top of that, even among the power, and, and that's one of the really unique features of Terra Mystica and Gaia Project, are these power tokens. And so on each player board, there are these three designated three sections, one, two, and three, where the power tokens reside. And I think of it sort of as like a battery that you charge. And so your power tokens start out in the first little bowl. And then when a game action enables you to charge some power, you can move a certain number of those tokens to level two and then eventually level three. And once they're level three, they're charged up and you can use them to do things. So you can spend your charged power tokens or you can discard the power tokens entirely to do totally different things. So even within that one currency, there's two different ways you can use them. One thing I will say is sometimes those power tokens get a little fiddly, moving them around from you know one to two to three, and um, sometimes they even go to Gaia, and then they're stuck there, and you have to get them out. And so there's a lot of moving things around. And, and one thing I will say for the designers of this game is that not all of those resources are handled by actually having that many of the resources. The credits, the ore, and the knowledge are marked on this little score track kind of at the top of your faction board. And I really like that feature, the fact that those are there. I think if each of the different resources were all quantity in terms of like if you had seven knowledge, you actually had seven cubes of knowledge, the fiddliness would just be out of control. And so instead of that, that you're just sliding it along that score tracker, definitely cuts down on that piece that I think could have been way overdone. No, I think you're spot on there. I was thinking exactly the same thing. You know, it's really pretty brilliant the way they manage that. It does cut down on a lot of the, the fiddliness. Can you imagine if you just had stacks I mean, it of would all be these, crazy these components? Because you have so many different components and so many of each component. It'd be very hard to manage if they were all actually cubes. You know, now that I think about it, I kind of wish more games had that. Just a little player board or track. You could slide one... Uh, sort of one disc along to manage your your money or your resources instead of getting piles of of goods or cubes. 
no, I totally agree with you there. Um, a couple other things about the gameplay I want to say. Part, so, so when you see the game, if you were to look at a photograph of this game laid out on a table, your eyes would, would clearly be drawn to the, the modular board because it's it looks really cool. It's open space with all of these planets and there are seven different colors of planets and all these little colorful buildings. So, so on one, to one degree, you could think, oh, this game's all about building these buildings on planets. But then there's the board next to it, that research board that you mentioned, Mamie. And, and to me, that research board is really where a lot of the gameplay takes place. Yeah, the research board is where the magic happens. I mean, there's a lot of points to be gained by moving up through that research board. And there's a lot of different resources that can be acquired through that board. I think it is equally important to the quote-unquote game board. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so that kind of leads into what are, what are some things you like about this game, Amy? Well, I think one of the things I definitely really like about the game is the variability of it. I mean, there's all the different faction boards, which are all two-sided. So every time you play, you're playing sort of with different strengths um, and, and different abilities, which is really neat. The fact that the tiles on the scoring board change both the scoring round to round and then the scoring overall changes game to game. So that's a a lot of diversity. And then even on that research board, the orientation of the different tech tiles on there can change the focus and change kind of the the goals of of your movement through the tech board. So I would say that is probably my favorite thing about this game is that there is so much variability. I mean, you can play over and over and over and never play the same game twice. And I think that's a a huge plus for this game. The other thing that I really like is those components. I mean, I, I love the little buildings and the fact that they are so precise and so detailed. I mean, it does sort of sometimes feel like you're actually, you know, developing your little faction out there in space. Yeah, it is really satisfying at the end of the game to look at it and see all those buildings and satellites that you've sort of launched out into space and the board's really crowded with all this development. Um, I'll say, you know, what I really like about the game, I really love the complexity of it. So we mentioned it is somewhat complex, but, you know, to me, it was a good balance of requiring complex planning and strategy, um, but I didn't find it unapproachable. So, by the end of the first game, when I when I first played it, you know, I was really able to get pretty much get how all the mechanics of the game worked. Uh, it certainly took one playthrough to get there, but but by the end of that first game, I kind of grasped how to play the game. Um, and you know, we've been tracking our plays and our scores, and and it's been fun to see our scores improve over time. And I think that's almost as fun as trying to win. Um, and, and like you said, I think the variability of the game is a real strength. It's an added layer of enjoyment that you can't just use and hone the same strategy game after game because what scores points on one game might not score points at all the second game. And as you mentioned, those research tracks are totally different as well. So you can't just kind of refine your one strategy and just make small tweaks to try to get better over time. You really have to take a look at the entire game state before you start and then maybe go in a totally different direction than you went the previous game. And that's not even mentioning those 14 different factions. And, and so we should mention too, there, there are seven different um, colors of factions that correlate with the seven different planet types that are found on the, on the main board. And so each of those seven player boards is two sided and all 14 of those different factions have slightly different special abilities and slightly different player boards that in some cases seems really subtle, but I think maybe as we've seen, um, those 
those differences can be actually pretty big and really can um, sort of point your strategy in one direction or the other. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important, and this is something we've sort of figured out over time, to look at what the strengths are of your faction and to kind of let that guide your strategy for the game. Now, that said, if that doesn't necessarily line up with what's on the scoreboard in terms of the things that are going to score in that game, you may be in a not great situation. So it's all about looking at all the different things and sort of figuring out what's going to work best. Yeah, and that's going to change from game to game. And, you know, another thing I like, too, is on that player board, the fact there's a space for all of those buildings you have. So, we mentioned you have all these mines, trading houses, planetary institutes, research labs, and they all have a spot on the player board. But as you build them, as you move them from your player board to the main board, you reveal some additional income that you're going to get at the start of each round. And so the more you build, the more of different income types you're going to get. But one thing that I find pretty cool and adds another layer of strategy is, for example, let's say you build a mine, which is sort of the base level building. You build that mine and it unlocks an extra ore that you're going to get as as income each turn. But then later, you're probably going to want to upgrade that mine into a trading house. So by building that trading house, you're going to unlock some additional um, credit income. However, the mine goes back to your player board, covering up that additional ore income that you got. So you kind of have to be mindful even when you build that you're not only gaining more income, but you might be losing other types of income as you go. Um, so I find, I find that really satisfying. So Mamie, um, we talked a little bit about things we like. What are some things that you don't like about this game? Well, I do like this game. There are a few things that bug me. I think Overall, some of the rules are not really as intuitive as others that we enjoy playing more. We played recently after not having played for a few weeks, and I kept finding that I had to like check for clarification because the rules weren't totally clear and intuitive. And I, th- I think part of that is because the iconography on the boards is not totally clear. Um, we had to go back and check the rule book several times, more than is necessary in a lot of other equally complex games. Um, And honestly, the player aid card is not at all helpful. I really feel like I can't, I don't even know what half of the symbols on the player aid card means. I, I think that's one thing that I don't love about the game. Another thing, and this is totally me, not the game, so this is not a knock on Gaia Project as much as it is my personal critique, is that it's definitely a game in which timing is important and making the right moves in the right order and in which resources are really scarce. And I don't like that scarcity economy. It makes a game a little more stressful than I really enjoy. I like a game, you know, the point salad games, uh, where there's an abundance of choices and all of which are pretty good. And in this game, I found that I would often end up stuck because of what you were just talking about. You know, I would have covered up one resource in order to get another, and then I wouldn't necessarily have what I needed to accomplish a goal. And I think finding myself in that situation, I often find myself cursing because I can't do the thing I want to do, and I'm frustrated. And and it's it's not terrible. I mean, and it may get better if we played more often and I, I got a better grasp on some of those strategies, but it's still not a feeling I necessarily love when I'm playing a game. Yeah, that that totally makes sense, Mamie, and, and I know you feel that way about some other... Other similar games, Agricola being being the main one. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I really enjoy that that complexity, and and there's something about 
that scarcity and having to be super efficient with your planning and your movement that I really enjoy in a game. I certainly understand how, how other people don't, but that, that's something that I kind of enjoy um, and I actually like about this game too. I will say while it's not a problem now, I, I share your observation that certain rules aren't as intuitive. So one particular game mechanism I found to be a little bit convoluted and certainly not intuitive for new players was that advancement to the very top level of the research track and gaining access to these advanced tectiles that are between the fourth and fifth level. So the way that board is laid out is these six columns and you go from level one, two, three, four, five, but between level four and five is this tile that sits right in between. And, and taking tectiles is a, is a thing you do um, throughout the game from a different part of the board. Every new player I've played with and myself at the beginning, the way the board is laid out, it seems when you advance from level four to level five, like you would just get that tile. I feel like intuitively, that's what it seems like it should be the case. I think we all tried to do that at least once. Yeah, absolutely. But there's this sort of additional, there's this additional mechanism where you form these federations and you gain this federation token that then you have to flip over in order to move from level four to level five. But then you have to flip over an additional token to take the special advanced tectile from the top, um, assuming you've, you've reached level four or level five. And I feel like that's a, a very fiddly rule, a very hyper-specific rule that's not necessarily intuitive. And, and you know, it makes total sense now that we've played the game several times. But I've, I've found that's something I have to... When, I, when I've played with new players, even, even when I've played with players that have only played once or twice, I make sure to reiterate a couple of times during the game, especially as they're advancing up that tech track, that they realize how exactly they get those advanced tectiles and how they get to the top level of the track. Because I really found, I really feel like there could have been a better way they maybe could have laid that out or described it in the iconography. Yeah, I mean, that happened to me in the game we played last week where I, for some reason, had in my head that when I went from four to five, I had to flip my federation, but I also got that advanced tectile. And I didn't realize that I wasn't going to get that advanced tectile until after I'd already moved. And then you clarified the rule for me and I was very frustrated because I had had that wrong in my head. Yeah. And I've seen that happen multiple times and it definitely happened to me uh, the first time or two I played. I'll also say, and this is, this is not a fault of the game at all, but I think Gaia Project really shines when you play with a group that's all played the game several times. We played a four-player game just last night, and, and we've all played, we'd all played, I think, at least three times. And I will say the intensity of play was certainly increased over the first time or two we played. So maybe if you don't have a game group that's willing to dig in and learn the game, you may have trouble um, getting it to the table as often as you'd like. Um, however, I would also say don't be intimidated by Gaia Project. Besides the slightly weird rules about flipping those Federation tokens, which you will totally get after you play it a couple times, um, the individual rules themselves can be fairly easy to understand. It's just putting it all together. The strategy of increasing your score over time is is where the real meat of the game lies. No, I completely agree. And, and you know, speaking of things you don't like, there's a couple more little picky things that I am not a huge fan of. The colors of the different factions. I mean, there are very few games where you could be playing with white, gray, and brown. <laughs> I mean, I know they're supposed to mimic planetary colors, but they're just a little drab. We did have a gray versus white game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was a first. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, that, I I get it. That doesn't bother me. But but, uh, yeah, I totally hear you say. I do think 
they were probably trying to avoid non-friendly color-blinding colors. Oh, that's smart. Using, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, especially using seven different colors. So, so Mamie, what do you think? We've mentioned several times this game takes place in space. What do you think about the theme of the game? Uh, well, I, I don't like space, um, which I know is silly, I, but it's just you one do of have those kind of things. a weird aversion <laughs> to space in general, like the whole concept of space. I do. No, I, I don't. It's not the concept of space. I mean, I believe in space. I just I, uh, that's too long to get into on the on the podcast. But I don't. I don't enjoy. I enjoy science fiction, but not set in space. In books, in movies. You enjoy the fantasy theme more than the space theme. I definitely enjoy fantasy more than space. It's just not something that I typically am drawn to. But, I mean, that said, yes, this is a a space-themed game. But I I think it's not really heavy on the, like, science fiction. I think Terra Mystica, maybe, I would have enjoyed more because I like that kind of Earth-based developing the planet theme. But really, I think... You know, this game could have been set kind of anywhere and the mechanisms would be the same. I also realized recently I do like Terraforming Mars and Galaxy Trucker. So maybe in a game, the theme of space is not as off-putting as in movies and books and life. You're coming around. Maybe. The space games. Games, yes. Yeah. So, Josh, when do you think we would break this game out? Well, there's no denying this is a heavier game. I mean, the weight rating on, on Board Game Geek is a 4.3 out of 5. And we're on a 5-point... So games that really are over 4, ten, people tend to think those are pretty medium-heavy to heavy games. And I would agree. I don't think the rules of the game are particularly opaque or even how you get points. It's right there in front of you. But it's all about the strategy and planning, a very complex economy of multiple currencies. And, and the order, you mentioned this, Mamie, I think the order that you choose to do things is almost as important as the actions themselves. And a new player is simply not going to beat a player that, that is more experienced. However, I, w- I was talking to our friend Jeff, actually just today, who's in our game group. And he mentioned that even though he lost, he's had fun continuing to improve his strategy and score um, higher each time he's played. So, you know, I would say someone who likes medium or heavy Euro games... Definitely give it a try. You'll probably like it. Or if you've played some lighter games like Catan, Carcassonne, Seven Wonders, and you kind of you find yourself wanting more, I would say get it. This is certainly not one that we would break out with casual game friends or our kids anytime soon. <laughs> no, I don't think the children are ready for Gaia Project. But from what I've heard, some of our friends have played Terra Mystica. I think if you love Terra Mystica, um, you'll probably love this game. And if you hate Terra Mystica, then I can't imagine that you would probably like this game. I do want to mention there is an Automa one-player version that I have not tried, but I've heard good things. So solo play is an option with Gaia Project. One thing I will say is it does really play well with two players, which is something that we are often looking for in a game. You know, the way it has the modular boards that you set up, you you know, you use seven when you're playing with two players instead of ten, and, and it works really well. Yeah, and, and from what I understand, uh, Terra Mystica, uh, it doesn't have that modular board and, and really doesn't work with two players. And that was another big factor f- for me when I was debating between getting Terra Mystica or Gaia Project. Hearing that Gaia Project was more playable with two, I knew for us that's almost a given. A game that plays with two, we are going to get out to the table a lot more often than a game that just does not play with two. 
Um, and I agree. I think it works really well. All right, Mamie. So, so we've talked quite a bit about Gaia Project. Let's, let's give our final thoughts and our rating. So, so just a reminder, we use a one to five scale based on wine. So a one would be an empty, empty bottle of wine ready to discard in the trash uh, or recycling. Uh, two is a two buck chuck. If you don't have anything else available, it might do the trick. A three, a wine in a box, some things to like, some things maybe not to like. Four would be a nice Tempranillo, easy, uh, <laughs> easy to enjoy, uh, something you definitely look forward to pouring a glass and enjoying more in the future. And five would be a big, bold Cabernet that is only going to get better with age. So, Mamie, tell us what you thought overall about Gaia Project. You know, I really had a hard time coming up with my my final rating for Gaia Project. I'm very torn about it. And I think because of that, I'm, I'm going to go with three. Although wine in a box just seems way too cheap for Gaia Project. It's a very expensive box. But I think it, it there are things about it that I really like, and I definitely think we'll continue to play it. And I have a feeling I might like it even better as we continue to play it more. But there are also just enough about it that I don't really love. And so I, I couldn't I couldn't go much higher. So for me, because there are things about it that I, I do enjoy, but things that I'm not sure about, it's a three. Yeah, that that's totally fair. So my thoughts are, are a little different. I think we we differ a little bit on, on this one. For for me, there's no denying that this is a, a masterpiece of a game. And I think I think there's a reason so many people love Terra Mystica. And I know for a lot of people, especially those who tend to like heavier Euro style games, it's their favorite game. And and it's clear to me that Gaia Project must build off of an already amazing game and likely even improve upon it for most people uh, with that variable board setup and, and the fact it plays so well with two. As we talked about, the game, the components are great and, and the gameplay is going to be fresh and challenging for a long time. Um, I should have mentioned too that, that in my opinion, the gameplay is long but not too long for a game of this weight. Uh, we knocked out a two-player game pretty easily in two hours and our four-player game last night clocked in right at around two and a half hours, even though a couple of the players are still fairly new which I think for a game of this depth is not bad and totally doable on a weeknight game night. Um, I've played seven times so far, and I think I've only played five of the 14 factions. So when you consider the variable board setup and the scoring, you know there are lots of plays that, that are left to explore with this one. Um, luckily, my game group seems to like it, and hopefully I can still convince you, Mamie, to play it a few times. Oh, yeah, I definitely want to keep playing. And like I said, I think my rating may go up as we play more. Yeah, well, I think... For me, something about this game clicks, and and I gave it a five out of five. You know, I think you have won this game every time we played. Uh, I actually went back and checked. Uh, <laughs> I have not won this game every time we played. Our friend Megan, who we've mentioned a couple times, has beaten me twice. So uh, maybe Megan and I just click with. Yeah, it clicks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is three games in a row that I've rated five out of five. But we've been tending to choose games we really enjoy. Um, well, because why play games you don't enjoy? That's right. But other than to put podcast about them. Well, that's true. But yeah, I just think it's a clearly a well designed, clearly well designed, well thought out, well balanced game. So um, I think it's great. I think I'll probably enjoy it for for quite some time. This would be a fun one. I agree to revisit in six months to a year and see see if I still think it's as great as I do, and see see if your feelings have changed as you play it more. All right. Thank you for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For our show notes, links, and other fun stuff about the games we discuss on the show, you could visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have any feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine. 
You can check out photos of the games we're playing on Instagram at Cardboard and Wine, or you can email us at cardboardandwine at gmail.com. As we mentioned, we've got a guild on Board Game Geek. We'd love for you to jump in and say hello. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Since we are a brand new podcast, it'll help new listeners find the show. All right, Mamie, it's been fun. Until next time. Cheers and happy gaming. gaming.